A space for conversation around women's health through the lens of naturopathic and Eastern medicine. I am Sandy Ross and this is Earth Medicine Podcast. podcast is multi-leveled. Episodes for patient education to graduate practitioner level. Thank you for tuning in and I hope you gain value from this episode. When I decided to start the podcast, I was very excited because in my short journey of over a decade as a practitioner, I was fortunate enough from a young age to be employed to go and work internationally. And doing so exposed me to a handful of some amazing practitioners. And these are the practitioners that are in clinic day in, day out, doing the work. They are not the ones on social media or have published books because they have just been too busy in clinic getting the results. And so today on the podcast, I'm going to be chatting with Penny Booth. Penny was actually one of the two that employed me to go and work in Bangkok back in 2011, and she's just a wealth of knowledge and also such a beautiful practitioner. She brings so much into it and has taught me so much about being a practitioner. She really makes it become holistic as a naturopath. So today on the podcast, Penny and I are chatting about postnatal depletion and what you can do to look for signs and symptoms and to help prevent it from happening. If this podcast episode resonates with you, please reach out for support because there is a lot that can be done. Penny comes to you with over 30 years of clinical experience and over 15 years as a lecturer from Sydney, Australia. So let's dive in and talk postnatal depletion. Welcome to the podcast. Penny. Thank you, Sandy. (laughs) Lovely to be here. I'm very excited to chat with you, Penny, because I'm fortunate to have worked with you along the years and I I know the wealth of knowledge that's in your head. And um, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your background. Um, I know you've done some amazing things over the years. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yes, certainly. Um, I started as a registered nurse when I left... uh, uni, um, well, left my A-levels, I should say, in England, Um, and I worked as a registered nurse for maybe a year, and then I took off to Europe and ended up in Australia, and in Australia, I then picked up um, naturopathy. I was introduced to naturopathy, and naturopathy is like a hood for nutrition, herbs, supplements, uh, diet homeopathy, um, and loved it. And so I did four years full-time of naturopathy. And from there, I kind of fell in love with homeopathy. And homeopathy for me was like everything because it included the mind, the delusions, the, the spirit aspect, the mind, and the physical well-being. And so that took me to India. And in India, I worked maybe about seven years on and off as a homeopathic doctor. And so opened my eyes because we treated so many different conditions from diphtheria, leprosy, polio, rat bites, sexually transmitted diseases, I mean, things you would never see in the West. Mm. 
And uh, from there, I uh, continued my studies in complementary medicine and I did some holistic counseling. I didn't really get far with holistic counseling. I just did a diploma with um, Aurora Hammond in Sydney. And I basically did that because I wanted to understand people's minds in relation to getting homeopathic remedies, really. Mm. And from there on, I then continued to do some uh, kinesiology, which is a muscle testing technique to access stresses in your body and where it's affecting your body, plus unblocking emotional, like limiting beliefs that people live with every day which basically prevents our reaching our potential. Um, so with kinesiology, introduced me to like TCM principles um, because the teacher that taught us kinesiology was a Chinese medicine doctor. And so from there, I learned about acupressure. And acupressure, I taught for about 15 years. And um, I also taught anatomy and physiology and uh, nutrition um, in the kinesiology college and briefly in Australasian College in Sydney, which is a naturopathic college. And um, there I kind of decided to just do acupuncture. So I didn't do Chinese medicine. Uh, I don't do Chinese herbs. I just did acupuncture just learning how to needle uh, because I'd already been teaching acupressure for 15 years so I knew all about kind of the principles and the points but I just didn't know how to needle mm. um, so from there I kind of put everything together so when I see women and children I combine everything so it can be anything from you know, counselling and understanding the emotional aspect of a person and why they have this problem. And it combined with, like, nutrition and diet and supplements. And, of course, everyone gets a homeopathic remedy because that's still my baby. And I, I love homeopathy and always will. Um, I did do some teaching, you know, for a vitamin company for, for many years. I went around Australia traveling, um, teaching women's health issues, menopause, PMS, uh, fertility. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the field it directed me into. So I do see a lot of um, women with hormonal issues and of course that also brought me to children because when you treat women you get to learn about their children mm. and so they brought the, their kids so I found myself specializing in women and children's health mm. primarily that that's my passion that's what I do so what I do here in Niramaya Center it's a center I run in Bangkok I see a lot of women for fertility, so I work around natural cycles and I also work around IVF um, programs, combining everything from homeopathy, acupuncture, diet, lifestyle and some emotional counselling as well. And you do such an amazing job. It's um, Penny and I actually... Penny employed me to go and work over in Bangkok about, 
when was it, Penny? 2012, I think I started there. Yeah. So Penny, yeah. Penny was in Sydney as a homeopath, naturopath, flying over to Bangkok and treating everyone. And the demand got too big and Penny was teaching and working in Sydney. She couldn't really pack up and leave then. But um, they they took me over to Bangkok to work in the Niramaya Centre. And then four years later, Penny has taken over and been there for six years now, haven't you, Penny? Yeah, six years. <laughs> And I love it. It's a great centre. Um, I see some fabulous clients. I see some amazing women um, in Bangkok. I see a lot of business women um, balancing kids and their work. Of course, it's a lot. It's a lot easier here because you get a lot of help. Yes. You have nannies. You have cooks. You have cleaners. Yes. It's it's a lot easier here. Yes. Um, okay, so let's dive straight into it and um, we're going to chat about postnatal depletion today. So do you want to maybe run us through what is postnatal depletion and why does it happen? Well, I think postnatal depletion or postpartum depletion doesn't just affect new mothers, it, it, it affects all mothers. Um, and I reckon there's a huge, like a huge hole in the way Med, the medical profession um, think about postnatal depletion and the treatment of new mothers because the problem with postnatal depletion, it's a syndrome. Mm. And the difference between a syndrome and a disease is a syndrome has a set of commonly like a wide range of symptoms. And so you can't actually treat from a medical perspective, a wide range of symptoms. So, of course, when women go in with postnatal depression, which is what we've always heard of, um, it's easier because they can give an antidepressant. Mm. And so with a syndrome, they don't really like. They prefer a, a, a disease. And, you know, I think having a baby is one of the greatest joys a woman can experience. Yet, you know, this magical life change can also create a perfect storm for destabilizing the women's psyche. Mm. So, so many women can go from, you know, highly functioning, ambitious, emotionally centered, competent, organized professionals to um, zombie-like nappy-changing milky <laughs> machines. Um, practically overnight, yeah, you know. Don't I know it. You know, <laughs> the problem with, yeah, the problem with pregnancy as well, that women enter pregnancy, but they don't they don't understand that the body is designed to give that baby all it needs. Mm. And it gives that baby all it's need, it needs at your expense. Mm. So it, during pregnancy, it's really important to make sure that you're looked after, you eat well, you sleep well, your stress levels are lower. And, of course, you know, most of the time with pregnancy, um, that doesn't happen. You've got to work still, you've got a budget, you've got to, you know, manage often other kids that you've got. Um, it's it's a huge thing that women go through, and they, I just don't think we give it enough credit mm. in the world. Mm. And look at labour. Look at the name labour. <laughs> you know, it takes a physical toll. Yes, it does. 
because of the loss of blood. I mean, you think about C-sections, you lose about a one litre of blood yeah. during just, just a C-section. And so you've got to be able to replenish that. Yeah. And I think you and I both know with acupuncture and Chinese medicine, the amount of kidney chi it takes to have a baby mm. is ginormous. Mm. And most of the time we don't we, we don't replenish that kidney chi. Yeah, absolutely. Because we just don't have the, the time to. Mm. And then there's the breastfeeding. I mean, look at the amount of calories and nutrients needed to make good quality breast milk, you know, and not to mention the ongoing sleep deprivation that happens. Most women, it's every two to three hours. That's day and night. So it requires a huge amount of energy for a woman. So isn't it any wonder that most women get postnatal depletion? Mm. So what are some of the signs and symptoms? And I know, I think it's Dr. Oscar Serilak from, he's a, um, the doctor that coined the, the syndrome um, postnatal depletion. Um, yes. What, what are the, some of the signs and symptoms that come under the um, category of postnatal depletion? Oh, I mean, it'll be things that every mother will, will connect with, even years after giving birth. Mm. So first of all, you've got intense lethargy. And exhaustion and so falling asleep whenever you're relaxed you know that whole thing when you give birth you're you you have very high hormones during pregnancy so your progesterone's extremely high your estrogen's high and of course when you give birth every woman will go through the baby blues mm. and that may be three days after giving birth because all the hormones drop so rapidly but your cortisol levels spike up. Yeah. And so, you know, because there's this irregularity with cortisol, women find whenever they get this chance to relax, they're then wanting to fall asleep. Mm. So that's that. You've got the lethargy in the morning on waking. You know, women drag themselves out of bed because often the cortisol levels are so low in the morning because they've been up half the night, breastfeeding. Then there's the hypervigilance that comes with, with having kids that are constantly wired. Mm, yep. You know, checking for, you know, is the baby awake at night? You know, every woman says after giving birth, they become such light sleepers. Mm. And that light sleeping will continue on from there on. Mm because they're so programmed to listen hypervigilantly to baby's needs. Mm. And then there's the concentration problem. You know, you get foggy thinking and concentration difficulties, which I think is related to a progesterone drop. You've got poor memory. You know how people say nappy brain? Mm. You get this poor memory, and that's, again your cortisol level irregularity and your progesterone levels are so low, loss of libido, you know, which then causes friction in the relationship because men often don't understand what women, kind of the deprivation that women go through. Mm. And, you know, the loss of libido simply comes from an irregularity in, in something called DHEA. Mm. because of the springs of cortisol, anxiety, inability to cope, feeling overwhelmed, 
um, depressed. Of course, postnatal depression, I think, is something different. Yes. I think if someone's really struggling with postnatal depression, depression, they really do need to seek help mm. quite quickly. It's not something you want to take lightly. Um, they have worsening of pre-existing complaints that were there before pregnancy or during pregnancy. And then this sense of feeling trapped mm. and social isolation. You know, there's four main factors causing postnatal depression. I think stress, stress, stress factors are really big. A modern mum, single mums, cooking, cleaning, shopping, budgeting. Um, then you've got delayed motherhood. I think women that uh, kind of push pregnancy to maybe their 30s, late 30s. Of course, their physical well-being is not going to be as kind of efficient mm. at bouncing back as, say, a 20-year-old. Mm. Um, do you know in Australia, your average age of um, giving birth is 30.9 years? Wow. Yeah, yeah. first child. Wow. And in America, it's 26.3. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. That's a big shift in energy, isn't it? Because I had Nyla at 27, and I think it was a great age, actually, for it all to happen. But, you know, from my yeah. energy from then to now, massive. Five years later, oh, massive change. Absolutely. That's why we're primed to do it. So you can imagine having your first child at, say, 35, 36, mm. some might be 38. Your ability to bounce back is so much, um, so much less, so much harder because you've probably had a career for, for a long length of time. You might have run your own business, you know, you'd... There's all that to take into consideration before even entering pregnancy. Mm. You know, there's your social factors. How many social factors? It's all about focusing on the needs of the baby, but never the needs of the mother. Mm. And this competitiveness that I see a lot with mothers, you know, whether you're breastfeeding, whether your child is looking healthy, whether you're, you're, you're sleeping, it, you know, you t it tends to become quite competitive. Mm. Are you giving all your baby the needs that it needs? Mm. But with about the mother all the time. Yeah. And then there's physical factors, you know, two cause factors, inflammation. When a woman gives birth, that whole lack of repairing and rebuilding, you produce like harmful pro-inflammatory cytokines and, and pro-oxidants from this byproduct of metabolic processes. And I think then the inflammation that's caused can cause the mood to, to become worse. So, you know, you've got to work on inflammation and uh, and then there's the hormonal changes that occur so you can see why so many women relate to it oh yeah everyone listening will be going tick 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 yeah <laughs> so does the fertility journey come into it in your opinion because you know some women will be a lot older but they also might you know we know working with women that they might have spent six months to a year even preparing to try and conceive um, so they potentially could be more replete than someone who might spontaneously fall pregnant or, you know, yeah. someone who's used the IVF or, and, you know, had all the extra hormone exposure. 
Can you discuss that a little bit? I really do. I think, you know, if you get pregnant without thinking about it, and it's a natural thing, um, you tend to kind of breeze through it easier. Mm. You tend to be less anxious during pregnancy. You tend to be um, less less vigilant. And you kind of, kind of breeze through it easier. But I think if you've gone through a journey of not being able to get pregnant, having repeated miscarriages or repeated disappointments, I think that all adds up to the psyche of the female before they actually enter pregnancy. Totally. You know, if you've been longing for that baby, of course, when you go through pregnancy, you're going to be way less, way more anxious, Mm. way more vigilant, way more stressed about holding this baby and making sure you go full term because it's something you really, really, really want. Mm. So I think... I think that how how your physical body is before you enter pregnancy, whether you've looked after yourself or not, um, really, really plays a role in this. And I think your emotional state when entering pregnancy really, really plays a role in, in, in the whole picture of not just pregnancy, but breastfeeding and, and contributing to postnatal depletion yeah Mm. definitely and I think also with like spontaneous conception usually the woman might be younger as well so they're they are more up to it if that makes sense not saying that you know if you're older but their energy is probably a bit more bouncier than someone who is trying to conceive and been working in their career for 15 years and is under the pressure and stress of making this baby come at this date and um I think that definitely adds to um you know your repletion in the body but can we yeah. um, maybe chat a little bit about like specific nutrients that you think can correlate with the depletion? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with depletion and the number one thing that you have to focus on is you must always support the stress response. Mm. That's the first and foremost thing. You know, if you can support the stress response, for someone who's uh, presenting with postnatal depletion, it can make such a difference, not just to the emotional well-being of a, of a young mother or a new mother, but also the physical well-being of a new mother um, because they start to feel like they're in more control. They start to feel less overwhelmed and and just the, the ability to cope is better. And, of course, the intense lethargy improves. So I think from a herbal and nutritional support, I think that is highly important. So like adaptogens and magnesium and things to support that HPA yes. access. Yes. Your B vitamins. Yep. is so important because – it will just help with that emotional balance so much. And then I think also the, the physical aspect is getting your inflammation down, you know, is regulating those cytokines mm. and using, of course, as you, you would know, omega-3 fatty acids. Just not only, only will it reduce the cytokines and help with the inflammation, but it will also uh, decrease the depression and help the mood and also help the concentration aspect and the memory aspect. So I think 
you know, adrenal health being number one with your adaptogens, adaptogenic herbs, and then number two from a physical perspective would you be your omega-3 fatty acids. And, you know, a lot of people that take omega-3 fatty acids, they take one capsule a day Mm. um, or, say, five mils of a liquid. I wouldn't be doing that. I mean, I would be trebling that. Mm. I would be giving six capsules a day or, uh, you know, maybe 10 mils of liquid every day to start off with Mm. to, to really help with that whole brain Um, aspect and inflammation Mm. and then I think also the other ones would be more your general ones like like you said magnesium your folic acid your vitamin b12 your iron because as we know folate b12 and iron are all involved in red blood cell quality Mm. and quantity so they're really important for red blood cells so that also helps with things like fatigue and and brain function. And I think folate is really important with women that are feeling down. I think that's a really important nutrient. Then you've got your iodine aspect, you know, make sure your thyroid's in the optimum health, not just during pregnancy, but also for postnatal depletion. Because if the thyroid's down, that's going to contribute to fatigue, anxiety, and depression. Selenium, zinc, and of course vitamin D, I think, is really essential. Mm. And um, you know, most women are depleted in most of those nutrients before conceiving. It's very common yeah. to be, you know, having low iron or B12. Um, and I mean, I don't even take that amount of omega-3s and I know I should even as a practitioner, but we just don't. And so it really comes into being diligent with, you know, if your diet's not adequate to make sure that we're supplementing so that we're not getting into a depleted state. I was good though through my pregnancy and up until about now, <laughs> three years postnatal. But, um, you, you know, most women don't. They just don't keep their nutrients no. take up. Because it's all about the kids. You know, that that's like kind of a brainwash, even from giving birth. It's all about what the baby's needs are. So I think mothers forget themselves, not just at new birth, like when they have a newborn, but for the rest of the time. Mm. And, you know, I think a big thing that can come into it is with the concentration, um, how you were touching on with the oils, but also uh, I think you, what did you say with concentration, one of the big triggers of, I can't even remember, there's my postnatal brain. Progesterone. 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 I think blood sugars, um, blood sugars, and now you picked up on my blood sugars years ago and it, it made a big difference that when I was making sure I was getting enough of those fats and proteins that I could concentrate for longer because, you know, me at the end of the day in clinic, if I hadn't had enough good quality protein as I was a vegetarian, I was stuffed. Yeah. I was like, where's the caffeine? Where's the sugar? And I yeah. think, you know, we, we eat kids' leftovers as mothers. We go for their, their leftover toast and we don't have breakfast Absolutely. and then we do all these things. And I think also blood sugars can be a massive one to, to really affect our short-term energy. Mothers simply forget themselves. Yes. And I think, to, you know, if a mother's in good health, then she can, she can cope and be there for the kids mm. in a much more positive way mm. overall. And so mothers are, is the number one. If mothers are good, 
kids are good. Mm, yeah. That's how I look at it. And so, you know, even down to your probiotics, if you got health is poor, what about your serotonin levels? You're not going to be happy. Mm, yeah. And, and also your, your inflammation again. So I think people that tend to feel down and depressed are more inclined to have gut problems. Yeah. And then, yeah, with the, with the hypoglycemia, um, because cortisol goes up and down, with the stress levels, every time cortisol goes up, your blood sugar drops. Every time cortisol drops, your blood sugar goes up. So they play a role together. Yeah, vicious cycle. Yeah, so from a diet perspective, one of the main things, there's two things I really focus on. Regulating your blood sugar, that means avoiding stimulants because you said to yourself, um, st- you always go for stimulants when your blood sugar is more inclined to be low, like the caffeine, the sugar, and at nighttime, alcohol to help Wind with down. the stress levels. Mm. And all those just aggravate postnatal depletion because they aggravate not just the blood sugar balance, but also the cortisol levels. Mm. And as I mentioned before, protein intake, that's my number two. Mm. you have to improve the protein intake mm. in diet very important and it's hard we definitely put that aside we put the kids needs first and mum gets pushed aside so it's definitely something every woman I know listening to this can go yep and I've actually been doing a bit of a program um kind of in support of my brother and a few people in my family but um basically yeah. just following a little program where we we're eating a certain style I'm not going to go into that but it's a it's a form of self-love for me for the first time in years because I'm making sure I'm making these meals and eating these meals where before it was kind of like even as a practitioner you know I was like I don't know what I'm having for lunch yet or I don't know what breakfast looks like and I'll kind of just come to that when I come to it and it's been so good for me and it, it has really made a big difference to so many areas in my life just from being you know prepared and putting myself first as well you know include inclusion of the children with my diet really makes a big impact I can you know oh yeah you, you you're in unity I think if mother's in a balanced state then you've got kids who are in a balanced state. Yeah. It, 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 you know, some mothers will come to me and they're stressed out and the kids are playing up or, or be, having behavioural problems. And I always try and focus on the mother as well because if she's in a really good place, then it in most you. cases the kids will also be in a good place. Well, that's what we say in Chinese so medicine. Every, we say to treat the child, treat the mother. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, always. Mm. And, you know, when I, I, I put together like a, a program for fertility and it's whether it's natural cycle or IVF, mm. and one of the things I'm, I, I start with, so what you, you, um, you get is you get two counselling sessions to begin with because I think that's really important. Mm. is to work out where the mother, where the female is. Is she ready for being a mother? What traumas she's been through to get there? And so I think having those two counselling sessions before entering those programs are really important. Mm. And then the second is 
getting the diet and the nutritional needs sorted out before entering a program. And then the third is actually using things like acupuncture to help with the fertility aspect. Um, and if you combine all those three things, then you will be successful with fertility. Mm. There's no doubt about it. Um, so you have to you have to look at all those three things. Yeah. And in relation to, to diet and lifestyle, you, you've got to look at detoxification. So I think, you know, before any female enters a program, whether it be IVF or, or, or getting pregnant, is to is to try and do a short detox for themselves, you know? Is to really be able to come from a more physical balanced level mm. and an emotional balanced level. And if you can do that, you will be successful. Mm. Because I see a lot of women that are desperate to get pregnant. So what they do is they start to get uh, this control. You know, they start to get into this controlling mode of making sure it happens. And, and that, it doesn't work. Mm. So when you put a program together and it, encomp it encompasses all those aspects, the emotional state, the physical state, the nutritional state, and the diet state, I think then if you can work on all those levels, you will be successful. Mm. And you're There's no course, doubt about it. You're, of course, using homeopathic remedies and medicine to support this you know preconception journey which then goes into pregnancy to prevent the postnatal depletion absolutely because with homeopathy with the counseling i usually will give the homeopathic remedies to um to try and balance over reactions to situations that we all have mm. and so if someone comes in they're already postnatal depleted <laughs> so yeah. let's say you know it's been a few kids in a few years is homeopathic medicine one of those first go-to things you'd also address, like for the, uh, the stress, or do you think it's repletion of nutrients? Well, I think it collectively it's everything. So mm. one of the things I will ask a female is, how is she feeling about being a mother? Mm. And, um, and what's happening in her environment? How's her relationship? Uh, how's her children? How is she relating to her children? And so I talk a lot about all of that. And I will give a homeopathic remedy. I mean, one of your best remedies for postnatal depletion would be sepia. Mm -hmm. uh, you gave it sepia. to me. <laughs> yeah, it's the ink of the cuttlefish, and sepia is this picture of this worn-out mother. Yeah. And feeling like she's burdened by everything and has no support. Mm. And I think because so many women feel in that trapped, you know, they've come from a career and all of a sudden they're changing nappies and breastfeeding every two to three hours and washing and cleaning, that a lot of women feel, oh, my God, is this, is this my life? Mm. And that's okay to feel that way mm. uh, because it's a temporary thing and yeah. it's, it's all part of this picture of postnatal depletion. And I think temporary I is something very important to remember because it didn't feel temporary with Nala. I tell you, when I was in that phase, I was like, oh, my God, when will I sleep again? But with Zion, 
it's so different because it's familiar and I know, oh yeah, eventually he'll sleep and eventually he'll play by, you know. So it, I think that word yeah. temporary is a really big one to implement into new mothers. But um, Penny, do we have time to maybe just touch on the cultural differences between the Eastern support and the Western support? Because I think, you know, we don't really understand our role in the West here on how different it is from traditional cultures and what we've fought oh. to in the West. Absolutely. I think in the Eastern cultures, because they're coming more from that um, Eastern medicine perspective, um, Eastern cultures, and I see a lot of them in Thailand, um, they they think it's very important and the rest of the family band together because they think it's very important to have a 40-day rest period. So a female, in most cases, won't leave home for a month Mm. or up to a month, maybe three to four weeks. But in that time, that female will get a lot of support from family, from friends, from having a nanny, from having food brought to them, like nutritious food, um, from having... Um, often local traditional medicine as well like Thai herbs or Chinese herbs to support the blood loss Mm. or to support the kidney chi loss. And so that mother gets time to actually rest, repair and rebuild, Mm. you know, and I think that is so important for for preventing postnatal depletion. So most, most mothers in the Eastern cultures will be okay within three to four months. Mm. You know, they'll recuperate very fast. But in Western countries, I think Western cultures have done mothers a great disservice by not honouring them on their recovery and giving them the time to adjust. I really do. I think, you know, we have less support. We, We often need to put babies in childcare and go straight back to work because work won't honour them the time to get pregnancy leave. And a lot of mothers are afraid that if they do take the pregnancy leave, they'll lose their job. Um, They have to budget. Often because they haven't got this emotional and physical support, it becomes very taxing on their own relationship. And then there is you know, that to deal with. So the husband feels like, um, you know, where's his wife gone Mm. or where's his partner gone? So I think, yeah, Western countries and Western cultures have not done the best thing by, by women at all. And, you know, I think that also brings that whole aspect into, you know, male and female equality that happened with, in the 60s with Jermaine Greer, it does have its pluses, definitely. Mm. But it also has its minuses from that whole mothering yeah. perspective. Mm. We thing. still we are expected to be mothers and fulfil the role as a mother while also filling the role as the male with working and providing as well. Yeah. yeah. And you just get adrenal burnout because there's only so much that someone can perform. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. So true. And I think the biggest thing is to, if you are in the West, is to really ask for that support. I knew about, obviously, the confinement period going into my pregnancy and I just told everyone around me that the first month I'll be at home. If you're coming over, no gifts, just maybe, you know, help out with some food if you can or, you know, just whatever it is that I could kind of ask for within my felt like within reason I did and you know I'm lucky I got a good um, support network and family here but some people don't have that their families you know interstate or in other countries so you've got to reach out for whatever support you do to try to make it work as much as possible some young mothers don't ask for it at all no because they feel by asking for it they're failing in some way yeah because again it's about you know it's the baby's needs and mothers just have to cope Mm. and get on yeah and soldier on as they say and so some women don't even ask for that help or uh, are um, embarrassed to ask for that help or Mm. that competitiveness um, out there as young mothers or, or new mothers and so I think it's important to ask the family to band together mm. and say these are the needs that I, I I need right now totally uh, because in the end it works better because within three months everyone's back to being happy again yeah and you know those cultures where um they mightn't be fortunate in the east to have the you know the support with cleaning and cooking and whatnot and the rice paddy mothers let's say that that go out and work all day in the rice paddies they still can find for those 40 days first before they get back to it because i've heard you know some men say oh women you know those vietnamese women they give birth and they're out in the rice paddy and i'm like no they're 40 days at home first and they're learning how to breastfeed they're resting they're having their nutrients up and when they get home as you know they work but they've got their mothers Mm. to look after the children so when they get home from those uh, rice fields, they will still have that time to rest mm. be- because often it will be the grandmother, you know, the mother, that their mothers that will get up and um, through the night and feed the baby um, that, because they'll often pump milk so yeah. that they can feed the baby um, so that the mother can get the sleep she needs to be able to return back to the rice fields the next day. Yeah, so true. So, Penny, I know you've um, got patients waiting and we need to sort of wrap it up so that you can get back to clinic and I appreciate your time so much. But do you want to give us a few take-home messages on on what women should really consider with postnatal depletion or how to prevent it from happening? Okay, how to prevent it from happening is, one, look after yourself during pregnancy. Make sure you're getting the right nutrients. It doesn't simply mean taking a prenatal, pregnancy, postnatal formula because that on its own is not often enough. No. You need to look at the needs, individual needs, and if there is, if you have a presenting complaint or condition, you need to add on nutritional uh, uh, extra vitamins and minerals to that formula that you're taking. That's one thing. Two is make sure that you stress less during pregnancy if you can. Make sure you get enough. Make sure you build all the kidney chi that you need Mm. to prepare yourself for giving birth. That's really important. Eat well. Yeah. Sleep well. Eat and sleep. Get emotional balance in order. Meditate. Uh, 
try and um, cope with, manage stress better during that time. And then when it comes to giving birth, make sure that you ask for the support, make sure that you take your adrenal adaptogens so that you don't become exhausted and cortisol depleted and um, get try and get plenty of rest if you can and then from a nutritional perspective is balance your blood sugar make sure that you're taking enough protein in don't miss meals mm. put yourself first mm. it is not a selfish thing to do if as i've said this before if the mother is good the kids are good mm. so, so it starts with the mother so and so put yourself first it is very very important in all both pre pregnancy pregnancy and post pregnancy yes so true. you are the most important thing now i know we could definitely keep chatting on and i know um you've got a patient waiting but if someone's listening to this and they perhaps want to get in contact with you where can they find you penny well, I'm at the Niramaya Centre in Bangkok, so they can uh, email the Niramaya Centre, and that's at, um, at niramayacentre.com. Okay. Um, you, you know how to say it, don't you, Sandy, so you can put it in. I'll pop it in, don't worry. You know, and that will go to my lovely receptionist, Kim. And she will book you an appointment. Um, or they can see the wonderful Sandy. <laughs> well, I'll make sure to pop all those show notes. Yeah. Um, the, In Australia. <laughs> thank Penny, who's been mentored by you. I'll make sure to put all those um, links to get in contact with you through the Nehemiah Centre in the show notes. Once again, I appreciate you um, blocking this appointment time out so that we could chat about postnatal depletion. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Sandy. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. I have been a practitioner of naturopathic and Chinese medicine for over a decade. I have a master's degree of health science and I am an academic lecturer at Australia's leading natural medicine college. I am available worldwide online for bookings. Simply go to sandyrosshealth.com.